0: Thanks for listening to episode 123 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen and I'm passionate about bringing the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Sabrina Chikori. After a Bachelor of Science in Biology and a Master of Science in Environmental Economics, Sabrina started an interdisciplinary PhD research looking into zero packaging food systems. Sabrina has been active in politics and in many NGOs. For more than a decade, she has been advocating for a more sustainable society in Europe, Australia, Kenya, Mexico and Ecuador. Her experience includes working in international arenas with the United Nations, as well as with indigenous communities in the Amazon. In Queensland, she collaborated with the Environment Minister to introduce the law to ban single-use plastic bags. In 2017, Sabrina founded the Brisbane Tool Library a social enterprise that is based on a circular economy and aims to reduce household consumption. Her book chapter, In Positive Steps to a Steady State Economy, and her paper, The Necessity to Change the Term Consumer, both focus on the necessity to rethink our consumption addiction. Sabrina is convinced that to solve the current social and ecological crises, we need to change the roots of our economy. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Sabrina's journey in leading the Brisbane Tool Library and the lessons she's learned along the way. We'll get Sabrina's advice about getting projects off the ground, establishing a social enterprise in the sharing and circular economies, and we'll hear some great insights and tips from her about sustaining community-driven initiatives. Sabrina, thanks very much for joining us.
1: Thanks, Tom, for inviting me.
0: So, Sabrina, to kick things off, could you please share a bit about your background and what led you down the path of social enterprise and a passion for the circular economy?
1: Well, uh, as you said, it briefly I've been active for more than a decade, <laughs> mainly in Europe, and here for uh, the environmental cause, and uh, I've been involved, you know, in campaigns against deforestation, in plastic projects, you know, to reduce or recycle better. And I just felt that I couldn't spend my energy in all these different issues, so I had to step back from them because they were all equally important to me, and I had to think. What was the root problem that was, you know, affecting all the social and environmental problems today? I came up to the conclusion that our current economic system, based on pure economic growth that aims just to increase, you know, GDPs and profit, uh, actually affects our well-being in terms of uh, species, ecological systems, etc. And uh, yeah, so I thought I need to redesign the economy, but uh, you know, after publishing few things that no one actually read, I thought we should do it with the community, and that's what led me, you know, to build the Brisbane Tool Library.
0: Fantastic. So tell us more about the Brisbane Tool Library then. Like, what is it, and how does it operate?
1: Well, the Brisbane Tool Library, as the name says, it, it really works as a book library, but uh, people can borrow instead hand tools, power tools, camping gear, kitchen appliances, and much more. And um the idea is that we need to reduce consumption. We talk a lot about reducing waste, but waste is just post consumer goods going to landfill and we talk too little about reducing consumption which you know involves extraction of natural resources, manufacturing etc. So it uh, really works, you know, people like a book library, as I said, people can walk in and just uh, choose an item and bring it at home. Everything we have here at the Brisbane Tool Library has been donated or collected from landfill. And it's crazy when, you know, we see that perfect functioning items are considered waste in our society.
0: Mm, absolutely and recently you've been getting a lot of traction on the mainstream media which has been really exciting and i think you know this is obviously because of a, a recent partnership as well state library where we're sitting now so you work with many volunteers as well when we talk about volunteers and your experience in running the brisbane tool library for example what do you believe are the fundamental ingredients for long-term success when running a project with such a, a diverse group of, of people
1: so i should stand that I really believe in the social enterprise model because it it is actually different from you know the traditional charities that you know we probably grow up with and i do feel that social enterprise should be self-sustained also financially so that it's actually our priority, and it has always been our mm. goal, and it is in our constitution. Yep. But um, you know, to start off things when you don't have investment because you're not for profit, you have to work around the system. And uh, human capital, it is a capital, and we work with that. Uh, human capital means that volunteers, people come in and they are the project, they don't work for the project. Mm. And honestly, we had uh, more than 40 volunteers from 13 different nationalities contributing. And most of them, they've been volunteering now on a regular basis as an almost full-time job for two years. I think the approach that we uh, used is that we never said what we needed. We always asked people how they wanted to contribute in the project. So they brought their skill most of the time, but uh, the rest of the time they just came and learned with us. And I'm learning too every day here.
0: Mm, i bet you are so what have been some of the greatest challenges then in running the brisbane tool library and how have you worked around them
1: i think well you know funding is uh, a challenge for everyone businesses or social enterprise or any project i think one of our biggest challenges has been to find a space because uh, nowadays we talk often about sharing economy but usually we think about uh, uh, the peer-to-peer platform apps etc while L- libraries, in general, have been sharing economy hubs, you know, for centuries. And uh, and I, I think, first of all, that, you know, libraries should reclaim back the sharing economy trend. Uh, yeah, yeah, what I wanted to say is that a lot of sharing economy projects are peer-to-peer, are digital uh, businesses. But when you actually have assets to stock, that is a problem. And it's a problem when you are in the heart of Brisbane or close to, you know, the major city in the world, because social enterprise, you know, small community groups are competing for space with big corporations, and um, I do think that state government or you know, councils or regional authorities should uh, give space uh, to communities because while everything you know goes uh, digitalized and we live most of our time behind a screen, in this era it's even more important to have spaces. Mm. So we did find a space that we shared with another community group in West End at the beginning. And uh, then we signed this partnership with the State Library of Queensland and we moved here. And it's a great partnership because personally I get to work with volunteers, as you said, with community and at the same time basically with state government. So it's an interesting partnership under that, you know, uh, perspective. And the other thing is that, as I said, State Library can actually offer more than just books or Wi-Fi to people, Mm. allowing people to borrow items.
0: Yeah, fantastic. I mean, you did mention before that funding could be an issue, and you yourselves are looking to become a fully sustainable social enterprise economically as well, and I imagine that's why you have your membership model as well. It was a pleasure to work with you earlier in the year. Sabrina as part of the Elevate Plus Accelerator program, and we'll look forward to having you as a mentor on the, the upcoming program as well to share your experiences. But from that program, what was one of the core lessons that you learnt and took away with you? So
1: I should admit that I'm usually very skeptic about accelerators and programs, <laughs> etc. So also because I'm probably a bit difficult to coach, so I know that. But anyway, said that- a
0: challenge, I'll tell you
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, you are too bad. <laughs> so said that, I actually really genuinely enjoyed the experience and learned from it. And I'm not just saying it because <laughs> it's a public podcast. But I think that program mm. is definitely, interesting if you're just starting so you know there's a different content from uh, uh, business models to ip you know advices that we received but the most important thing uh, that i took from it is actually the community that we created and you know we meet the other social entrepreneurs at least once per month i do have uh you know other friends because now they are friends coming mm. in at the tool library and really help each other and i feel when you put yourself in a project and you're comp- and the project is completely dependent of you it's nice to have that uh, resilient group and environment where you can share not just your successes but especially you know your challenges and problems yeah. and i feel that with the elevate plus cohort we do you know, share the problems and help each other, like practically helping each other.
0: Yeah, it's a friendly <laughs> group of people. So what do you think then, changing the topic a little mm-hmm. bit, are the essential values of the sharing economy? Because you talk a lot about these sharing and circular economies. So what needs to, to be done to help accelerate the movement and get mainstream society to move from this linear to circular economy?
1: So I use a lot the term circular economy, but um, I feel that the term itself already became mainstream, but he's, uh, people understand it differently. Unfortunately, circular economy per se now became, let's recycle better. And again, you know, when we think about recycling better, of course, it is an important part of resource recovery, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't change the root of the economy. Mm. Let's take some a uh, plastic item we still you know produce it use it and then yes we can uh, re- recycle it to use it but the fact that we already pre- produce it in first place and we don't ask ourselves if we really need it that's the problem so um, I think that um, we are in a very big transition you know uh, I'm relatively young and i think millennials maybe they are different from you know the baby boomers generation we want access to stuff you know not only to tools in case of the tool library but uh, i can't even remember when i bought the last dvds because we don't buy the dvd itself we want the movie so i think we are uh, moving from that materialistic uh, um ownership to something new. The thing is, we didn't define yet what that new thing is. I feel that we should um, build that degrowth economy, which doesn't mean uh, Recession, you know, or chaos—it just means planning the economy to reduce the material consumption. Um, what, all the activities that we do today are, you know, measured in terms of economic success, economic growth, and economic growth means adding to GDP. So let me give you an example: a standing forest that it doesn't add to GDP, but if a forest is cut down and you know, manufacturing something else that adds to GDP. Uh, a divorce adds to GDP, a car accident adds to the GDP. So basically how we are measuring our economy is wrong. And I'm not the first person to say it It has been, GDP itself has been criticized for the last 50 years. So when, you know, I always, say, when your economy is not growing fast, well, have accidented divorce, you can help your country. So when, you know, when we start thinking about that, and we actually have that perspective on everything we do in our life, where do we consume our food, where is the food source in first place, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, then we can start talking about the economy. Mm. And I do feel that, unfortunately, environmental problems, and economics problems are usually discussed separately. If you go on any website of uh, you know major media or any United Nations page or whatever you have to go on the environment or science page to find related problem and you then go to the economic one to see how economic growth is succeeding or not. Mm-hmm. So once we understand that the economy does affect our you know, jobs, does affect our environment, does affect our health, then we can actually create a real circular economy in terms that we live in a finite planet and we need to, you know, to adjust our lifestyle by consequence.
0: Yeah, so what do you think could be done then from this sharing economy perspective when it comes to policy? What can be done by government to help foster and support social enterprises operating in this space? What do you think?
1: So one thing, as I said before, is uh, space. Space, you know, in a very populated planet, it is a priority and, you know, space to share assets and not just to commodify your car park or your house. It is important. The other thing in terms of, uh, for example, electronic items or other stuff, since the mid fifties, companies started to produce um, designing for planned obsolescence so that, uh, you know, our items, our computers, our drills, etc. They are uh, produced to break down after six months, two years. Um, Governments can uh, impact and limit plan obsolescence. Uh, It is something discussed in Europe, is not really implemented. But um, France, for example, tried to add the the right to repair. If something can't be repaired, well, then it can be sold on paper at least. Um, In Australia, there is the um, Federal uh, Stewardship Act under revision, and they are trying to understand how to reduce e-waste and other things. But again, the problem of e-waste is not recycling better or exporting it to Africa for other countries to recycle, but it is let's produce less. So government has to take seriously the industry, the input and not just the outputs. But uh, unfortunately, because our politicians internationally measure economic success in terms of GDP, everything that would go against GDP, well, would not be really considered.
0: Mm, Interesting to hear. So starting to wrap up now, Sabrina, what are some other inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently that you believe are creating some really strong, positive social change?
1: Well, maybe the... One that I'm getting familiar uh, with, uh, with my PhD actually, is the zero packaging stores movement. So they are businesses, they are completely self-dependent. They probably don't call themselves social enterprises, but they do have an impact because when you buy food in bulk, it means you don't need packaging first place. You don't have marketing to influence, you know, buy two and get three pack of cereals, you know, and uh, and they do shorten the supply chain. So that is an example of uh, normal business, but with great outcomes. And they also reduce food waste at home because you buy just what you need or obesity and all that stuff. But look, there are a lot of um, Social enterprises that they have been around for years now, and that I respect, like Substation Thirty Three, and others. Yeah, yeah, Tony here in Brisbane, and I and I feel that it's important to look what's around us and you know value that rather than just always taking an American standard or European standard of great achievement. The risk is also that a lot of people might not know what. Um, efforts you need to build a social enterprise and I want to avoid you know that people take it as a fashionable greenwashing thing and that they start and create a Facebook page and a website and after two months they just stop Mm. it is hard but basically we don't have any other choice than doing it
0: I think that's a strong message there Sabrina so to finish off then what are some inspiring books or websites that you'd recommend to our listeners
1: okay so I almost never read novels, so, and my books are pretty <laughs> similar um, within themselves. One, the first one, you know, that maybe summarise in a better way what I discussed today is the "Prosperity Without Growth" of Tim Jackson, uh, "No Log" of Naomi Klein as well, "The Value of Nothing" of Raj Patel. Uh, really all my books are very similar but uh, the interesting thing is that these books they don't criticize the current system but they rather come with solutions and that is really important because we already know that our system is failing us but now let's talk about solutions
0: well, it'll be great to follow you on your journey and see the growth of Brisbane Tool Library further, Sabrina. So thanks so much for sharing your really valuable insights and time today. and We'll look forward to touching base again in the future.
1: Thank you, Dom, and thanks, everyone, for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org.